0: And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. The editor in chief of Arrowheadpride.com, Pete Sweeney, hanging out with my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, it is Tuesday, December 8th. We are now officially three-fourths of a way through the season. How are you feeling? Merry Christmas to you. Uh, at 11 at one I'm feeling great.
1: I I, I wouldn't ex- have expected this. So I'm I'm terrific as things stand in. Chiefs world today.
0: I did not either. I thought that they would have two losses in the first half of the season, which didn't happen. And then one loss, maybe the New Orleans Saints in the second half. That game hasn't happened yet, but clearly I am off with my record. I should have just gone undefeated like I did last year. (laughs) And I would be closer uh, to it than I am right now. But lo and behold, here we are. It's another Arrowhead Pride Editor show. We got a jam-packed show for you today. We'll go over some news, and there's some big news to talk about. An old friend helping out the Chiefs last night. We have some marinated takeaways from Chiefs and Broncos. We'll take a quick break. We'll go over what we learned from Andy Reid during his Monday Zoom press conference. It looked like Andy Reid was by himself. There was no backdrop because now the facilities are closed on Monday and Tuesday. So no fancy stuff with Andy Reid on the Zoom conference call for Monday, but we'll go over that. And then finally, we'll go into our questions heading into this Chiefs and Dolphins game and finish up with John's favorite segment, the best Chiefs thing we heard all week. But let's get into the big news, John. Last night, the Washington football team with a six-point victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers Alex Smith making the entire country gasp with his bloody sock on the wrong leg, not his injured (laughs) leg, blood dripping down, looks gross. Everyone's freaking out. No, it was the other leg, but fighting through that, fighting through an Antonio Gibson injury early in this game to give the Pittsburgh Steelers their first loss. So what does that mean right now? The Kansas City Chiefs are tied in record with the Steelers. John, you do a playoff picture for us each and every Tuesday how are the Chiefs sitting right now?
1: Well, a lot better than they were 24 hours ago, I can tell you that. Uh, the short answer is goes back to last week's uh, playoff picture article where we needed the Steelers to lose to the Bills this coming week and for them to lose one more game in order to give the Chiefs control over their own destiny through the rest of the season. That is, uh, to have the ability to grab that first-round buy just by winning their games. Well, now, half of that has been fulfilled. Uh, they've lost another of their games. Now, this weekend, if they can lose to the Bills, or maybe I should say if the Bills can beat the Steelers, right. put a more positive spin on it, um, then the Chiefs will be in a position that they will be in control of their own destiny in terms of the bye. That is, if they win the rest of their games, uh, they
0: will get the buy at the end of the season. You knew that this was going to happen. I... I saw across the board, it really felt like fans were shocked at this result. I wasn't all that shocked. I predicted on the national podcast, yes, it was a little tongue-in-cheek that Washington would be in this game because Alex Smith is a winner. But as funny as that is, he really does put the teams in position to win the football game. And we're less than a week removed from the Steelers being in a game in the fourth quarter with Robert Griffin III, who had to be benched. And there were running backs that were not available for the Baltimore Ravens Lamar Jackson, their best player was not even on the field. And so for Alex Smith to put this team together with a pretty good defense, rushing for not needing to really blitz anybody to get pressure on Big Ben, I didn't didn't like the matchup for them. And lo and behold, you get the loss. Here's Pittsburgh's remaining schedule at Buffalo, at Cincinnati versus Indianapolis and at Cleveland, Kansas City's remaining schedule at Miami, at New Orleans versus Atlanta versus the Chargers. I just look at those schedules and I could see the Chiefs rolling through these teams based on how they've been playing lately when I see maybe a couple maybes for Pittsburgh with how they're playing lately. So we'll see. I think the Chiefs keep playing their game. Andy Reid will keep them locked in and we'll see if they can get that first round bye. as a grand reminder, which we've been talking about all year. There's only one bye week in the AFC this year. So it's imperative that the Chiefs do their absolute best to get this thing and one more win and then a loss for the Steelers and they would control their own destiny. You know, uh, several weeks ago, I wrote an article about, uh, on
1: com about um, about strength of schedule through the remainder of mm-hmm. the season, and I looked at it the traditional way, which is just uh, your the opponent record, and then I looked at it using statistics that take the strength of the opponents into consideration, and the Chiefs had a fairly difficult schedule through the end of the season. Now, several weeks have gone by. And it's sort of an average strength of schedule through the rest of the season. The Steelers' schedule is a little bit easier, but hardly enough worth mentioning. Uh, They both have kind of an average schedule the rest of the way. But the difference is, I think, that the Steelers have not been playing very well of late. You can see that in that game against the Ravens. The Chiefs, on the other hand, I mean, you could argue that they didn't play very well against the Broncos. But on the other hand... They came through and won when a lot of things went wrong. And I think that bodes well for their chances to win these remaining games of the season.
0: I mean, I just look at these games and I see Buffalo, Cincy, Colts, Browns. The Bengals really feels like the only win that Pittsburgh Mm -hmm. should have in the bag, and that's because they lost their quarterback if Burrow was still playing. I think the Bengals would be a question, too. With the way the Cleveland Browns looked against the Tennessee Titans this past weekend, who knows uh, how the rest of... These games go. And this is a, another interesting point. The Browns aren't necessarily out of the division at nine and three. Suddenly, yeah. you have one more win and loss, and the Steelers could go from the highest pedestal of the AFC to maybe as low as fifth or sixth if the Browns continue to win. So, interesting developments in the AFC. All right, John, let's get into this Chiefs and Broncos game a 22 to 16 win for the Chiefs' 11th win. Of the season. We're going to have our marinated takeaways now that this game result is a few days old. And I'll start us here with Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill having a bad overthrow in this game. And it led me to think about something. This was early on where Tyreek Hill had clearly beat it in the defense, and Patrick Mahomes overthrew them. They weren't in sync as we usually see. And it caught me off guard because just how often do we see that between Mahomes and Hill? Usually when Hill has the defense beaten, Mahomes actually puts it somewhere in the vicinity for Hill to make a play. And then I thought about how I watched the other games around the league. And this is a frequent occurrence where you see players miss receivers all the time. So I wanted to go back to that moment and just think about how rare that is for these two to be on the same page like they are so often where you have a moment you're like that. We like, well, what happened on that play? Well, that's one play in what a whole season where we've seen these guys in sync. <laughs> Sometimes other things happen, but I, as far as just that being that far apart, you see it all the time. You know, Josh Allen is, is a quarterback that comes to mind. Even big Ben. Uh, we we're just talking about these guys as of late. I, I just think it just goes to show how impressive both of these players are, but more so even, I would say, the camaraderie and the chemistry between these guys is unmatched in the league. And you also have to factor into that uh, how good Tyreek Hill
1: is at tracking the ball. This is kind of an underrated, uh, by people outside of Kansas City anyway, A kind of an underrated skill that he has, his ability to track the ball and know instinctively how to speed up or slow down, whatever it is he needs to do to make the catch. And if it's the play, I think that I think you're talking about, uh, it, it was clearly overthrown. Usually Tyreek can run to catch up, or slow down and still manage to remain open. How he ever does that is beyond me. I guess it's just he gets so much separation he can afford to slow down and catch one standing still. Um, But I think that's a big part of it is that you have this player in Mahomes who can really put the ball where it needs to be. And in Hill, you have a player who can track it really well. And that's a dangerous combination
0: for a quarterback and a receiver. I've asked Tyreek Hill about this tracking ability before, and he has cited being an outfielder in baseball as he Hmm. was growing up and just always had a, a knack for that. And that's just another example of a player being better at football from baseball. We know somebody else like that on the Kansas City Chiefs. So if you have kids out there, keep playing multiple sports. No need to narrow it down to one. But I'm going to get off my soapbox with that. John, you have your first marinated takeaway of Broncos and Chiefs.
1: Yeah, a lot of talk after the game how poorly the Chiefs did in the red zone against the Broncos, and yeah, it was awful. Uh, But that is, you know, the usual problem is that we tend to look at everything that goes wrong with our own team as being entirely the fault of our team. I think we should have expected the Chiefs not to do very well in the red zone against the Broncos. That is the one thing that the Broncos' defense does really well. right? And even in that last game... Uh, the first game of the season against the Broncos, the Chiefs were three of six in the red zone. Okay, now that's 50%, but it ain't 100%. And um, so I think we probably missed the ball a little bit by not anticipating that the Chiefs might be um,
0: held back a little more in the red zone uh, than we expect. And the Broncos are no slouches on defense either. Vic Fangio is a well-respected head coach. You the problems have been on offense and they got some power players like AJ Bouye, who I believe it just came out uh, nationally that he could be suspended for PEDs. We'll see how that plays out. That was just announced right after this game, but I got the other guys on the roster, Shelby Harris, I thought had uh, a nice game. And so I look, um, you know, it isn't always going to be perfect. And and I, I do think you're right. I think sometimes we focus a little too much mm-hmm. on looking in the mirror whereas you know it's that football cliche they get paid too you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying so the other right. eyes on scholarship like marty used to say
1: <laughs> speaking- of opportunity for me to get that chest note out there
0: no that's a that's a good little <laughs> nugget uh, speaking of complimenting your own team i have a compliment for general manager brett feach stemming from this game and first, it's with Le'Veon Bell, going out and get, getting Le'Veon Bell. I know that some people had a question about this when it happened. It, it was a very low-risk, high-reward uh, move. And and so far, I would say the rewards have not been high. They've been about medium. But this was a, a clear example of where having Bell on the team gives you an ultimate benefit. Because Clyde edwards E'Laire apparently got a stomach flu and lost weight. And I just don't think you want to go into this game with only... Darrell Williams and and Darwin Thompson. Not to say that the Chiefs wouldn't have won, but Le'Veon Bell is just on that Clyde Edwards-Elair level where he's dynamic and it affords you the luxury of saying, you know what, Clyde, let's get your weight back. Let's give you a game off. You can be as an emergency running back on the sideline if Bell goes down, but why have you have a relapse here when we can use you in a game against the Dolphins or use you in a game against the saints. And had bell not been on the roster, maybe the chiefs say, you know, we really need you here. We're going to have to have you play through it. It still is a division game. Division opponents are really hard to sweep. I know the chiefs do it each and every year, but it's not necessarily a, a given. And so bell plays. And now Clyde Edwards, helaire we think will be healthy for this game against the dolphins on Sunday And then Legereus Need in the fourth round. I have said it about 10 times. I say it on all my hits on the television, on radio, whatever. I, I write it. This pick in the fourth round to get him on day three from a small school and to evaluate him to the point of the production he is having as a rookie. Matt Lane just put up a fabulous piece at arrowheadpride.com. The way he's playing in the slot, which was a position switch for him when he came back from that clavicle injury, it has afforded the Chiefs to play Juan Thornhill who's been a problem recovering from his injury a little bit less. In this game in particular, Snead had five targets, only 23 yards, three catches, three for five, not great, but 23 yards you're okay with. And I have this stat from PFF, the lowest yards per reception among rookies in the NFL with 200 snaps to their name or more to get that guy, especially when we complain all the time about cornerbacks and the Chiefs lack of them and lack of drafting them. So that is a great percentage among rookies and the Chiefs got themselves a starting cornerback now for the foreseeable future and we got to keep this guy healthy cannot have another injury because the Chiefs could really use him in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, and I think you're right about Snead. Um, I mean, goodness gracious, he's been quite a find for the Chiefs, and uh, he just solidified that on on Sunday. And I agree with you about Bell, too. Uh, we haven't seen much from him because he's been you know, a secondary player. They've opted to give Edward Zillaire the, most of the snaps, which is fine. I think that's the appropriate thing to do. And I think uh, that next week, it'll be more important to have Edward Zolaire in the lineup than it was this week. And so I think it gave them exactly what you said, uh, an opportunity to get him fully rested for this Miami game where they may need to run the ball more than they usually do.
0: Right. And Miami's pretty good against the run. And so as as good as Bell still looks, and I, I think he looks better than some people. I know that some people have been saying he's lost a little bit of juice, but I think Bell still looks good. Clyde is the top option. That, to me, is clear. I, you know, I think it's a 1A and 1B situation. So against the Dolphins, you're going to want to have your 1A player. All right, John, we're finally to the point that we vehemently disagree upon, but we'll, we'll let you start it since it's your marinated takeaway.
1: Yeah, this is going to take the rest of the show, I'm afraid. <laughs> so I still have questions about whether the cha- the non-challenge call in Sunday night's game Uh, would have been overturned. Now, let me be clear about this. I think the Chiefs made a mistake in not throwing the challenge flag. Whatever the outcome was, it was worth a timeout to find out. I don't think there's any question about that. I have questions about whether the Chiefs were in a position to make that decision with the information they had available to them, but that's a whole other conversation. What I'm focused on here is the narrative that the Chiefs lost a touchdown Because they didn't throw the challenge flag, and I'm not sure that that's true. Um, I think that it's at least arguable that the referees, when looking at the replay, would have said, "Nah, that's not a completed pass." Um, We'll never know because we'll never get. It's never going to be challenged. You know, the play is maybe some play like it'll come along and we'll have a different opinion about it. Um, But I think it's at least arguable that the referees would have said, no, we're going to let the the call on the field stand. And I say that because it wasn't clear to me that from the replay, the the second slow motion shot they showed of the catch, that uh, Tyreek Hill really had clear possession of the ball. And that is something that's required under the catch rules. And you're also required to make a football move of some kind. Uh, which can include tucking the ball away, but I'm not sure the referee would have looked at that and said that's what Tyreek Hill did. So, I I think that my main problem with it isn't that it it wasn't you know, it should have been challenged, right? And it's too bad that they didn't challenge it because then we couldn't argue, we wouldn't argue about this anymore. (laughs) But I think it's wrong to say that it absolutely would have been a touchdown if it'd been challenged.
0: Okay, so here's where I'm at on this so, Tyreek Hill this is the 40 yarder that should, that yes, wasn't right. We presumed maybe to be a touchdown in the second quarter. Tyree killed runs off and he doesn't think that he catches right. it. Mm-hmm. Andy Reed in his 20 plus years has never seen that before where a player catches it and doesn't realize he didn't catch it. So mm-hmm. he just sends the punt team on and mm-hmm. every situation over the course of 20 years, never has this happened to Andy Reid. So you, You can understand, all right, you get why this terrible mistake happened. And we both agree, John, that this should have been challenged. Yeah. The call on the field was incomplete. Incomplete. What that translates to is the ball hitting the ground. That is an incomplete pass. You could see on the replay, and this is my point against you, J.D., you can see on the replay, the ball never hits the ground. At that moment, if you can see that on the replay, which there's a clear shot of that, it either needs to be a touchback because of an interception or it needs to be ruled a, uh, ruled a touchdown. The reason there's no in-between is because no, they're nowhere near out of bounds. With the ball not hitting the ground, it has to be a score, in my opinion, because I, I looked up the rules on this too. Even if you say, okay, they both came down with it, right? Tie goes to the passer and the catcher in this case. And so that's why I'm considering it a touchdown. They can't look at that replay and keep it incomplete. And it to me, it's a 100% overturned for sure. And it, you can make the, if you wanted to, if you wanted to come on and say, "Oh, all right, there's a chance it would have been a touchback." All right, I agree with you. Zero percent, it stays incomplete.
1: Yeah, except for this. I, I looked at the rules too. We've both looked at the rules on this deal and there there are ways you could interpret this that uh, that Tyreek Hill had possession and they might have overturned the call i don't i i don't disagree about that but it also says in one of the notes on the incompletion rules and uh, the completion what constitutes a completion note if there is any question whether a forward pass is a complete intercepted or incomplete it is to be ruled incomplete in other words, they don't want you saying, oh, I, I, it's, it's, it's probably completed, but I'm not sure. If you're not sure, you're supposed to call it incomplete on the field.
0: And that right. may be what happened here. I could just, I wasn't could, sure. I could see a scenario. Let's say they throw, throw the challenge flag, right? Mm-hmm. And we see that replay. Yeah. And somehow the refs come back incomplete. The Andy Reid's face shield, his mask, his head's <laughs> turning red. That's well, where I'm at.
1: There'd have been a riot in the stands.
0: What you know, what the fifteen thousand people who were there. And I tend to get the feeling. And I was going to save this sound for the second segment. We'll have more Andy Reid sound in the second segment. I get the feeling that he he believes it was a touchdown too. Here was Andy Reid speaking on Monday.
2: We have an in-house feed that um, gets there a tick sooner. You see it on the scoreboard. I mean, that's what you saw on the scoreboard was what we saw um, on the feet. So it was all the same. Now there's some restrictions on that, that they, they've got league restrictions there. So you've got to abide by, but in certain situations, but you know, they got it up as fast as they could get it up. And, um, they've got a couple things that they legs, they have to go through before they present it to you. Um, uh, and, and so it was just, it just timed up. It was a weird, it was a weird deal. We really haven't had that problem. So, uh, we've been pretty good with it, but this was, this was unique. Um, when you, I'm sitting there real time, I'm giving you my thought on, I'm going, I've never, I've never had a player tell me that he definitely. And I said, he said, I should have jumped soon. I should have I jumped too soon and I, I didn't get it. And uh, I, I dropped it. So I go, all right. Um, and then all of a sudden there's a, uh, there's a chance that she actually, that he actually caught the ball. And I just kind of watched the officials' reaction to it. Um, I did this on tape now afterwards, but the officials' reaction to it, and and uh, he sent something, but because um, he he kind of did the, the little you know shuffle to the left to see if he could get in better position. But uh, even he was, I, I think he was fooled by it too. So.
0: So we'll never know. Right now, Tyreek Hill, of course, doesn't have the touchdown. And that puts him at 14 touchdowns on the year in a tie with Dalvin Cook for the top of the league. So hopefully this doesn't go back to cost Tyreek Hill because in these awards, we know these awards voters, they love to go to the stats. So if Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey has an opportunity to potentially win the offensive uh, player of the year, i have got to put that one on the board, at least in your mind, in my opinion. Anyway. Doesn't matter now. Moving on. Final marinated takeaway of this game. Okay. Instead of fantasy versus reality, which I know is a a quote, I'm going to say that this game had a little bit of a dose of reality and reality. What I mean by that is, yes, the Chiefs only beat the Denver Broncos by six points. To me, they still look like the best team in the league because you had a touchdown taken off the board. The Broncos go down and score a touchdown And in a lot of ways, like teams that are marginal would just, I think, unravel in that type of situation. The Chiefs never unraveled. I thought the defense played better and is taking some strides. Tyron Matthew, three picks now in two games. He looks to be dialing it back to what we saw in the second half of last year. And the difference is with him, and on the defensive side, he is infectious. When he is playing well, really feels like the entire defense plays well. They got Snead back in the lineup. Anthony Hitchens looks good. Chris Jones and Frank Clark. Okay. You know what? They're coming along. And then Patrick Mahomes had some really good moments. I understand the red zone needs to be there, but if the red zone is, is the one major problem we're looking at right now with four games to play, I'll bet Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, and Patrick Mahomes figure out the red zone before the playoffs. Now, here's the other dose of reality, too, and I and this is where I, I mean reality and reality because sometimes you can feel in ways opposite, and I just think we live in a world with talk radio and Twitter and say, where you gotta feel one certain thing. I just feel like right now. The Chiefs also, as they are the best team in the league, they're letting teams hang in there for too long that they should not be in games with. And I think you could say that too. That is also reality because you have the Carolina Panthers, a team that you're better than, and you almost lose that game. You win by two points. The Las Vegas Raiders, who nearly lost to the New York Jets. You only beat by four points. You should have ran away with a game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's a three-point game. And then here you have the Denver Broncos, a team that you're clearly better than, who you probably should win against by more than six points. So I, while I do believe the Chiefs are the best team in the league, I think it would be better for them to stop toying with teams and see one game where they put their pedal to the metal and it's wire to wire and it's a domination
1: yeah, that'd be nice, but that doesn't really reflect what always happens in the NFL. You know, again, the chiefs are world champions. They're going to get every team's best shot. We saw what happened to the Raiders after they played us two weeks ago. They gave us our their best shot. And what have they done since then? They've barely been able to win a game. You know, they were they they had to resort to uh, an all-out blitz. And that's the only reason there was a receiver open for a catch with four seconds left in the game in order to beat the 0-10 and 10 New York Jets, for crying out loud. You know, I don't think there's any question that these teams are giving everything they have to try and beat the Chiefs, and the Chiefs are still beating them. I, I'm not as worried about that as a lot of people are. Um, at the end of the day, a year from now, two years from now, we're not going to remember the how much the the – margin of victory was in any of these games. We're only going to remember what the final record of the season was and what happens in the postseason. And I am not nearly as worried about this as a lot of people are. Um, I don't think the Chiefs play down to other teams. I think other teams
0: play up to the Chiefs. The Raiders, by the way, were very near to going 6-6. and And it is a very muddled AFC at the bottom. And you have this Game in week five where the Raiders are able to knock off the chiefs when 40 to 32 and the Raiders fans were extremely vocal. And now you're having a situation for the Raiders. Let's talk about it quickly where they're playing the Colts, the chargers, the dolphins and the Broncos. And at seven and five, if you want to safely make the playoffs, you got to win three of those games. And are are you confident that they're going to beat the Colts who need the game as well, who are Mm -hmm. a better team than them? Probably not. The chargers, I, I gotta think that Justin Herbert will play better than he did last doubting, you know, by the time they run into each other, than the Dolphins, who the Chiefs will see this weekend, and then the Broncos, another division game. So no guarantees that the Las Vegas Raiders make the playoffs, which I find interesting as they are at the number one AFC West Phil. And consider
1: this the possibility that the Chargers could have an interim coach by the time they play the Raiders. Always helps. And, and an interim coach is a very dangerous thing to face. Um, you know, the statistics say that interim coaches do a little bit better than 500, I think the number is. And these are on teams that had terrible records before the interim coaches came in. Um, because why else would you fire your head coach unless your, your record was terrible? And then these guys come in and, and win their opening games and sometimes a few games after that. What's the best example of that? Romeo Cornell in, uh, in 2020. 12 was it not? I think that's right. Um and they came in and knocked off the undefeated Green Bay Packers. So, um you know, these things are going to happen as and and the if the
0: Chargers have a new head coach, I wouldn't take the Raiders in that game. <laughs> yeah, there's no reason that you would right now even before narrowly beating the Jets, they lost 43 to 6 to the Falcons after that Chiefs game. Yeah, that was was ugly. Speaking of jobs, that Chargers one may be open by the end of the year. It it is seeming like Eric Biennemi will have some options here. I know Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator of the 49ers. He is, it seems like viewed as one of the number one candidates. So Biennemi, even if he's not one, is probably a two. I think he's got to get that Texans or Chargers job because the quarterback, it really does seem in place. Not that you want to play Andy Reid twice a year and it'd be tough to root for Eric Biennemi if he is the head coach of the LA Chargers. But I, I just thinking about the career of Biennemi, I would love to see him get one of those two jobs. All right, when we come back, we will go over the rest of the interesting quotes from Andy Reid from Monday. Stay with us on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, keeping it rolling with Andy Reid and a player we haven't talked about in a while, John, is defensive Tackle Colin Saunders. Saunders had the dislocated elbow at the beginning of the year. A third rounder from the 2019 NFL draft class for the Kansas City Chiefs. And Reed, after Saunders has been a healthy scratch for the past couple weeks, I believe it was the last five. five weeks, right? Five weeks. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Last five weeks is is asked yesterday. Is, is it the injury? Is it that dislocated elbow, or, or what is it here? What's going on? Well, that and
2: some of the other guys that have been in there have done okay. So, um, you know, you put one up, you got to put one down. Uh, that's one of the negatives about when you get injured If somebody steps in and does pretty good, then that's what goes on. But um, he's he's definitely, he's a good football player and, and his time will come here. So, John, you have
0: the pulse of the snap counts for us as well. This has been a, a Turk Wharton thing, right?
1: Yeah, it's 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 Turk Warden we're talking about. Uh, he's come in there and been an effective player both against the pass, especially against the pass, I think, uh, but somewhat against the run. And that's not a, a something that we would normally get from Colin Saunders. He's pretty much a run stuffer, uh, at least he has been for the Chiefs. And you know what strikes me about this? And Andy Reid said it perfectly perfectly well. You can be a good player and not get back on the field uh because some because you got hurt and somebody else edged you out for the position. Right. Sometimes not because he's better, but because maybe he is more versatile than you are. Um but it makes me wonder uh about if our takes about the twenty nineteen draft are going to age well. Um, you know, consider the possibility that Juan Thornhill right never gets back to a hundred percent. Consider the possibility that Colin Saunders is released by the team this coming off season because of this, this injury the, had and,
0: this and, and, and the chiefs go out and get a receiver in the off season. Yeah. So like
1: that. Yeah. So at what point, uh, you know, are we going to change our minds about how good the 2019 draft was? If That's those things happen, of course we will.
0: Interesting thought,
1: but it, you know, the, it, it's at this point, you'd ask your average chiefs fan on the street. They'll go. Yeah. Yeah. Brett Veach really booted it in 2018, but boy, he was good in 2019. Well, let's see. I
0: cannot believe the persistent Hardman defender has had himself now saying perhaps the 2019 draft class was not what it's cracked up to be. <laughs> what if the Chiefs go out and get Corey Davis? Corey Davis has looked as, as good as anybody at a Titans wide receiver, and he's, he's due to become a, a free agent. You wonder how the Mahomes factor and the Kansas city factor affects guys in the open market. We've already have seen it impacting how much money they will take. If they're already on the team, being able to lure someone like a Corey Davis, who I think will go for a high price in his first contract to come to Kansas city. We'll see. I look, I'm just throwing a name out there. I'm spitballing here. We'll see what happens. Say a name. Um, see a name, say a name. Yeah, that's I know right. how you are. here we yeah. go. <laughs> Here's my second Andy Reid point from the press conference on Monday. Andy Reid was asked something to the extent of, look at all these upsets around the NFL with the Seahawks being knocked off by the New York Giants, the near upset of what was the Jets beating the Raiders. Do you point to those games and, and say, look, this can happen to you?
2: Well, these guys don't miss a beat. I mean, they know they know what's going on. Those phones are uh, sometimes, I think, attached to their hands. So <clears throat> they they know... Um, they're, they're as bad as you guys are with those Osano guns, man. That's they rude. can maneuver around the world with those <laughs> phones. So um, uh, they, they know and, uh, and they're, they're reminded about it, yes, but they, they have a pretty good idea. I, I try to focus on things that we can control and try to stay strong with that uh, of how we practice, uh, how we work to different situations Situational football is so important. Turnovers are so important that we eliminate them on offense and create them on defense. Playing four quarters of aggressive football is something we try to focus on. You know, and uh, those 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 things become uh, the most important things. Those are things you can control, and uh, so I think you're better off going there than than the threats of you know this could happen to you and that so.
0: This was like a minute long laughing off of the question, in my opinion, where of course we know <laughs> we could lose. We lost this year to a Raiders team who was seven and five. Like we it happened to us. We were aware. And now after that Raiders game, Patrick Mahomes did have a quote a couple weeks later that said, no, it maybe it was and to the extent I, I I can't, I'm paraphrasing here, but it was to the extent of maybe it was a wake-up call for us and and to saying we can't really just show up to the to the stadium. After that, the Chiefs know that they are are capable of losing just like anybody else. And I think that's why we've seen uh, some of the efforts we've seen after that game.
1: Well, and again, they got that message on Sunday, you know, the Broncos played
0: them close. They were leading at halftime, the Broncos. Yeah.
1: Right. And that to me is the ideal wake up call because you get the wake up call and you win the game anyway. So, you know, I think the players know that. I loved Andy Reid talking about the phones connected to the players' hands, however. Right. You know, it, it, listening to that just now, it occurred to me that uh, professional sports players, professional players, always say they don't pay attention to the news media. And, you know, when I was growing up, that meant that the coach didn't read the newspaper. But if you're a professional football player now or a professional athlete of any kind, you can't avoid yes. getting the takes because you have a telephone. You have a cell phone in your hand
0: all the time, just like all the rest of us do. <laughs> the, player, the players you pay attention and probably even more than, than we, we know as, as writers for arrowheadpride.com. I'm not going to say the player's name, but I had a player's mom email me one time that said, please, <laughs> uh, when you post about my son, Let's try to keep it a little bit more positive. So, yes, they are. If my mom were alive,
1: she'd be sending you letters too, Pete. Just so you know.
0: (laughs) Well, okay, (laughs) I'll take that for what it's worth. (laughs) Hopefully, they would be nice letters. Hopefully, they They, would be Christmas Christmas cookies or something.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm sure they would be. But if she detected a slight of any kind, she'd be on you. You just need to know that.
0: Mm. Mm. Well, maybe the commenters should know that. So, if you (laughs) if you don't want to get haunted by John's mom. Keep that in mind. All right. Last point from Andy Reid's press conference. And I just thought this was funnier more than anything. He was asked about the idea that Russ is out there cooking in Seattle. What about let Patrick cook?
2: Well, he's he's doing pretty good. I think, uh, you know, every week you guys ask me about a record here or there or something. So I think he's cooking pretty, pretty good. Um, I'd like to eat some of the stuff that he's cooking, you know.
0: Andy Reid was asked one time why he doesn't show his sense of humor a little bit more with the press so we could see that side of him. And I think you hear it a little bit more when he goes on national radio shows with people that were I think at that level when he first started out. So I think he kind of like looks at them with maybe a little bit more respect than like a local beat guy. Also, too, he has said that he wants to give writers and so on points of real information that they might be able to use. If he was just laughing and sarcastic all time at the podium, no one would get anything ever. Maybe that would be better than looking forward to the challenge every week. But that's the (laughs) thought behind why we don't see that sense of humor more often.
1: Well, I think I made this point in one of my pieces this week, too, is that Zoom isn't really a good place to exhibit humor. The way these things are set up, your microphones, the, the reporter's microphones are turned off. Right, Unless they're asking a question, So what's the point of making a joke if nobody's gonna laugh?
0: You yeah know? You, we're the only ones you can see it where you see everyone chuckling, but yeah, there's right. no sounds to it. It, right. it. does it does have a sense of am I bombing? am I what's going on <laughs> out there with this audience right now?
1: So you know, I think that's part of it. i've always I've always thought that Reed has been very funny uh, in dealing with the press. i've I've always thought so. But this year, um, you know, it all seems to fall on deaf ears, so to speak. Um, and uh, and I think it's just because of the environment that he's in. Just yet another thing that's weird about this season.
0: It's a weird season, a weird press conference. That was Andy Reid from Monday. When we come back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, we'll talk about our questions heading into this Chiefs game against the Miami Dolphins. Stay with us. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Coming up in just a few minutes, we'll have the best Chiefs thing we heard all week. But first, let's talk about this Chiefs and Dolphins game coming at you on Sunday, week 14. It's funny how fast the year goes. You start the season, you think it's going to be this long, drawn out thing, and then you blink. And we're already at week 14. So here we go. It's the Chiefs heading down to Miami, the place where they won Super Bowl LIV, but this time they'll be playing the home team in the Miami Dolphins. And my question has to do with something I already alluded to on this podcast a little bit earlier. Can the Chiefs go out and take care of a team they're better than and do it convincingly? I find that the Chiefs, and and I understand that the, the Dolphins are up and coming. They got a pretty good defense and they curbed the run game well. And, you know, I could see where maybe this could be a game in the first quarter. But at the end of the day, this is Patrick Mahomes, an MVP winner, the Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl winner, the guy who's probably going to win this year's MVP versus Tua. Go out and win this game by 7 to 14 to 17 points, whatever. Let's keep the defense rolling for the Chiefs. Let's have them intercept the rookie a few times in his under-10th start. I believe it's like a fourth or fifth start for Tua. That's what I want to see in this game against the Miami Dolphins. No sweating it out in the fourth quarter. No Dolphins with the lead as the fourth quarter hits. Let's see the Chiefs win a game convincingly.
1: Are you sure that you have this opinion just so you can be sure to have your game piece at the end ready in time for the final gun <laughs> that's what are i would sure, like to do are,
0: are we sure this isn't about that problem <laughs> that has been a problem the past it couple of weeks been. where where yeah. yes i i in previous weeks you've seen john because you take a look before we post these things I have the game story ready to go. It is like the middle of the fourth quarter. I can start on my rapid reaction, which I know the people are clamoring for. I know you out there, you want to hear the rapid reaction. And I haven't been able to get to it until after the press conference with wins of four points and two points and six points because you don't know what's going to happen. And And, and it was still in doubt with three minutes to go. Right. Pretty pretty sure the Raiders game that the Chiefs just won, 35-31. I had the loss written. And they were able mm-hmm. to miraculously win it because that's just how, how you have to do it in, in the way of the World Wide Web. I am I feel fortunate that I, I don't have it printed onto a newspaper where it, it needs to be due at a certain time and you need to have versions of it depending on... Good that we can go back and edit it. I, I appreciate that fact. But anyway, yes, I would like to see the Chiefs for many reasons win convincingly
1: <laughs> in well, Miami. And and I agree that the, the problems that we have, which are of no concern of anybody but ourselves... Uh, putting those concerns aside, um, I agree. It would be nice for the Chiefs to put up a convincing win against a team that they really should beat. And they really should beat the Dolphins. I don't know if, you know, a 14 point victory is in the cards, but it would be nice for them to come out early on, take the lead, hold the lead, and by the fourth quarter, we're not worried about it.
0: That would be nice. There are some. Keep in mind, and and I think we're getting closer and closer to this betting world, there are Chiefs fans out there who have lost money four weeks in a row because the Chiefs yeah. have not been able to cover. And so let's see if they are able to do so uh, this Sunday. John, let's get to your first question.
1: Yeah, can either quarterback in this game really have a big day? Because these are two pretty good pass defenses. Um, I like to look at it on... Um, opposing quarterback passer rating and the chiefs i believe are the, the dolphins and the chiefs i think are third and fourth okay in this uh this particular statistic and that indicates that they don't both do very well at uh keeping opposing quarterbacks from picking them apart and putting up big yardage now if you look at the opposite of that if individual quarterback passer rating patrick mahomes is you know 20 points better than tua or Fitzpatrick, for that matter. So whichever quarterback is playing, um, the Chiefs should have the advantage in this game. But I question whether or not we're going to see anybody put up three or four hundred yards and four touchdowns against other one, either one of these defenses.
0: Yeah, it might be one of these low-scoring games, but I—I I mean, I just think about how Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill are playing to this point. I, I got to think that there's one play or two plays where we see some chunk yardage. And, you know, I think the the biggest thing for me is this is where, and this is my third question. This is a game where you would like to see progress in the red zone numbers. And that's yeah. my question. Can they improve those red zone numbers? Oh, for seven in the red zone, the past two games. And the reason why I would like to see progress here is because the new Orleans saints are next week. And the Saints are a team, unlike the Dolphins, unlike the Broncos, unlike the Raiders, unlike the Jets, yada, yada. The Saints are a team where if you're in the red zone, you got to score a touchdown more times than maybe you get a field goal or you know there's an unfortunate fumble or something like that. And so I would like to see some progress in this game against the Miami Dolphins. I talk about these measuring stick games. You're going to want to see the Chiefs do well against New Orleans Saints. And so almost use this as a training ground to say, let's, right this path. The Saints are one of the few teams in the NFL where you got to play a complete game to beat them, even if you are the Kansas City Chiefs. And we know how important that game is against the Saints. We just Mm -hmm. talked about it with the playoff bye on the line. So get right, get fully right. And I'm talking be a complete team against the Miami Dolphins so you're ready and you feel confident going into New Orleans week.
1: Yeah, but you know, there is a caveat to that. And that is that if there's one game the Chiefs can afford to lose it is these NFC games to right. close out their season. They can afford to lose a game against the Saints or the Falcons, win the rest of their games, and still get the first round by if the Steelers lose to the Bills on Sunday. So by the time we get to that New Orleans game, we're going to have a different idea, probably, of how important that game is to the rest of the season. If the, if the Steelers win uh, this Sunday against the Bills... Then all of a sudden, that Saints game becomes very important to the playoff picture. But if the if the Buffalo Bills win against the Steelers on Sunday,
0: uh, there's some wiggle room there. So that's something to consider. So the Chiefs play the Dolphins at, at noon Arrowhead time. It looks like the Steelers and the Bills are on Sunday night football. So that game is at 7.20 oh, nice. p.m. I, had I do that. know if you are in the Kansas City Metro uh, this is I'm, I you know I totally forgot about COVID for a second. Can I go back to that moment? I was going to recommend Al's as a big Bills bar <laughs> in North Kansas City, but I don't know if, if this is necessarily... If you feel safe enough, I, I'm sure they'll be watching this game. This is a big game for the Kansas City Chiefs. So it, if not, watch from the comfort of your home and, and root on the Bills. All right, John, let's get to your second question in this game.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I was looking at the numbers. I'm not convinced the Bills are all that great against the run. So I'll have to argue with you a little bit. Uh, on the, uh, excuse me, I looked at the numbers myself and I'm not convinced that the Dolphins are that good against the run, as you stated before. But I'll, you know, there's different ways to look at it. And so I wonder if this might be the week where the Chiefs make some changes to their offensive line on the basis of the competition might not be as strong as it will be against the Saints. As you noted, you've got to play well in all phases of the game in order to beat the Saints. And if the Chiefs are considering making changes in the offensive line, putting uh, Stefan Wisniewski on the active Rockster and plugging him in someplace on there, uh, perhaps bringing Martinez Rankin uh, into the starting lineup, they're going to need to do it pretty quickly in order for them to have any kind of continuity before they get to the postseason. And a game against the Dolphins might be a place to do that.
0: Yeah, numbers I was looking at maybe more so skew recently. In the past two games, the rushing yards allowed were 40-87. They did allow 189 to the Denver Broncos and then 99 previously to the L.A. Chargers. So 100 100 yards in three of the last four games. Granted, they did stop the run against the Bengals and the New York Jets, who have not had the greatest season. So I I think you got to keep that in mind. Uh, I would like to see a little bit more balance in the Chiefs offense. This week, I think it has been pretty pass heavy. So that does lend some credence to what you're thinking along the offensive line. I thought it would be this week if they were going to make a change, but maybe I'm wrong about that. I know that Stefan Wisniewski was elevated to the active roster. If they are going to make the change to Wisniewski, who's been on the practice squad what, for about a couple of weeks now, yeah, it'll be a activation from... Right the practice squad more so than an elevation because you're not going to revert a guy back to the practice squad. And then he's able to be plucked off by somebody or something right. like that. Or, you know, you don't want to see that. I know it might be a little bit different during COVID, but at the same time, I, 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 I think there's a decent chance he gets picked up, but I'm just wondering if time's running out. Cause I, I don't think you're going to want to make that change as we talked about in the previous podcast with, Like one or two games to go. I think you want to get these guys a few games under their belt together prior to the playoffs. Yeah. My final question, entering the Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins, is this the week that the Chiefs claim the top seat? We know, especially with these wild schedules and even before COVID and the wild schedules, sometimes teams are on the top of the world. Maybe they're a four and one or something and you have this Monday, Thursday game and it changes your whole season you know you're you're all of a sudden 4 and 3 or something there's a chance for this the steelers lose on tuesday they have to play on on sunday night football against the buffalo bills the chiefs right now are a touchdown favorite entering the miami dolphins game a game they should win They play great in Miami. We know that, right? They'll they'll, they'll win this game. (laughs) And then now you have Buffalo, who started out, opened the line as an underdog. They are slight favorites. They're one-and-a-half-point favorites the last time I looked. Do the Bills, who looked really good last night on double Monday Night Football against the San Francisco 49ers, does Josh Allen come out and beat what has been a struggling Steelers team on Sunday Night Football? I think it's very possible. If I'm picking this game, I'm picking the Buffalo Bills. I, I think they win this football game. And so you take that and, and you have it in mind. And, and I, I feel really good about the Chiefs' chances of waking up Monday morning and controlling their own destiny.
1: Yeah, that would be great. I mean, it could happen. Uh, I agree. Uh, Buffalo looked really good yesterday. Um, and I was when I looked early this morning... When I looked at the point spread, the uh, uh, the Steelers were up by two. And so that's been movement since yeah. since I looked at it this morning. So it's a volatile spread right now. Uh, some of the services that aren't trying to divine what the public thinks, but instead really trying to handicap the game, have this one as a pick Uh Could go either way. So, uh, yeah, I think the, the Bills have the momentum here. Um, if I'm not mistaken, they're playing at home which isn't a big advantage, but it's some advantage, even in the season of coronavirus. Um, so, yeah, I think it's distinctly possible we could see the Chiefs in the driver's seat for the bye on Monday morning. And, and I, I'm just going to say that'd be okay with me.
0: Right. And I, I know that this could be a scenario where you have a really great Sunday as a Chiefs fan, where you could watch the Chiefs yeah. hopefully win their game. Maybe you take a little snooze you get yourself some nice takeouts. <laughs> Get yourself ready for a Sunday night game that really matters just as much as your game as a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Yeah, should be. All good right, game. those are our, our five questions heading into the Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins. Want to get to our, our best Chiefs thing I heard all week. And there's no sound for this one. Sometimes I'll play a, a soundbite. This is surrounding the Sports Illustrated Sportsperson of the Year, which goes to five men and women in 2020 who... Sports Illustrated identified as special and, and champions in every sense of the word. And this is all throughout sports. Could be a man, could be a woman, could be a basketball player, a hockey player, football player, so on. And I love the fact that the Chiefs got two of them. Patrick Mahomes, who used his platform as the NFL's transcendent star to push the league to recognize the Black Lives Matter movement and the players' right to protest, and then Laurent duvernay Tardif, who opted out of the NFL season, who joined the front lines of the battle against COVID nineteen in Canada. You know he was along with some of these other players, and I mean, you get Patrick Mahomes, and he's on every magazine. He's going to have ten million. Commercials. This is now the face of the National Football League. I think for LDT to be in the same breath with him and for such an honor, it's just really cool. There's an LDT Sports Illustrated this year that there's five of these covers. Mahomes gets one, and LDT will have his own Sports Person of the Year Sports Illustrated cover. And I I just think it's well deserved. Patrick Mahomes as well, but it's got to be really cool for LDT to be on the same wavelength uh, as these other individuals.
1: Yeah, it's quite an honor. Um, as somebody who's who grew up reading SI, uh, you know, when I was a, a prepubescent and as a young teenager, I read it from cover to cover every week. And uh, the sportsman in those days, it was called the sportsman of the year, <laughs> um, was always a big deal to me. And they they went across different sports, but there was only one. And I think in recent years they've realized that you know, it's it's a bigger reward than that. And then they can sell more magazines if they spread it out a little bit, and that's fine. We're all in this business to make money. But still, to have two players from one team um, uh, to, to be afforded this honor is pretty incredible. Uh, it's a, it says a lot about uh, the way the franchise is run. It says a lot about the way the franchise chooses its players. Um, and I, I just couldn't be any more happy about it. I would say, though, that Patrick Mahomes does not look comfortable in that cover photo where he's wearing a suit. I just want to put that out there right now. He looks great in the tux at the awards show, but in that suit he's wearing on the SI cover, he does not look comfortable at all.
0: <laughs> he does dress pretty snazzy, but I would he tend does. to agree with you. And I, it almost looks like that they were drawn. So perhaps he never had to wear the suit unless he was posing for them.
1: It's all Photoshopped. Is that what you're saying?
0: I think, yeah. I think it was like a Photoshop doctor type of picture. similar to what you would see with the Chiefs and their white turtlenecks.
1: I think LDT, I think he looks great in his picture. Uh, But
0: Mahomes just looks like he's miserable. (laughs) The other sports people of the year, Naomi Osaka, the U.S. Open tennis champion who embraced her fame and found her voice in the fight against social injustice. Also, Brianna Stewart, who returned from a devastating injury to lead her team to the NBA title and who spoke loudly against racism and for women's equality. And then LeBron James, who led the Lakers to the NBA title, won his fourth finals MVP trophy and worked tirelessly to end voter suppression and ensure that in 2020, everyone had equal access to the polls. So those are your sports people of the year, including two of your Kansas City Chiefs. That's it for the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Keep it locked in at ArrowheadPride.com as we get you ready this week for the Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins at noon on Sunday. John, it didn't get flexed. We have a noon game. What a gift. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I'm so happy. We'll keep you updated with your injury reports, your stories out of media, so on and so forth this week at ArrowheadPride.com. For John Dixon, I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Arrowhead Pride, Pete Sweeney. Thank you for joining us on the Arrowhead Pride editor's show.